We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Hello, everybody. Welcome into the NBA front office show. It's it's getting close to the end of the year. I can't believe it. 2024 almost here already, but we've got a ton of NBA news to break down before we jump into the new year. But uh, Keith, how are you doing, man? And uh, I, I'm I'm the type of person that continues to write 2023 for like six months anyway. <laughs> I don't know. I don't know about you. It takes me forever to transit. By the time I actually get used to writing 2024, it's going to be 2025. Yeah, I am pretty close to that too. I'm glad I don't have to write things a lot anymore. Um, you know, but I, I was actually weird to even to be here in in 2023. But I had a bunch of checks that wouldn't scan. For some reason, the mobile uh, deposit option wasn't working. So I had to go to the actual bank and like I had to pause, like remembering like how do I like fill out what a do, deposit how do I do this? slip? Yep. Yeah, because I haven't done that in a while. So it was a it, it was a different sort of experience. But you know, it's a good good to remember. It's all still there. All that uh, you know, muscle memory still works. <laughs> I get to the point where I where picking up a pencil feels weird. Or a pen to write something feels feels strange, but uh, because, I still you know, make a lot of handwritten notes, like while I'm watching games and stuff. Mm -hmm. um, especially like if if I'm somewhere that I don't have my computer, I always have a little notebook with me, so that part doesn't feel super weird to me. But yeah, I do know what you mean. I had to write a check the other day, and like I had to legit like think like, all right, what do I do? Writing a check? How do I do um, this? Which was a weird weird <laughs> thing too. But yeah, I, I hear you. Yeah, writing checks, it's uh it's something that we don't have to do very often these days. And when you do have to, it's uh it's almost it's almost like you get annoyed, but like what I really have to write a check for this. Yes. But anyway, I was extremely annoyed. <laughs> yes, right. I, I I left a bill for like a week sitting there and I, I didn't pay it because it's just sitting there on the table, sitting there, sitting there, sitting there. And I kept looking at it. I'm like, well, I'd have to write a whole check for it and then and put a stamp on the envelope and all that kind of stuff. The things that that will now deter us, which used to be just the way of life. Yeah. Um, anyway, we've got plenty of NBA basketball to talk about today, so let's get into it. Um, let's go here. Mikael Bridges, not happy with his minutes. You and I were talking before we came on the air here, Keith, that there was some some weird stuff being pulled by, by Jacques Vaughn to limit minutes without actually sitting a player. Uh, what's going on and why? Why would this have happened? Yeah, and to be very clear, this isn't Mikhail Bridges unhappy generally. This was just 
Uh, last yes. night, they, they played the Milwaukee Bucks on uh, Wednesday night, and they were in the second game of a back-to-back. They'd beaten the Pistons the night before, so that had uh, given the Pistons a single-season loss, consecutive loss record. Then they moved into this, and now we're in a spot where Jacques Vaughn decided this was going to be a semi-rest day. Now we know Mikhail Bridges is like one of the NBA's Iron Men. He doesn't really like to miss games. He right. plays a lot. I think was it uh, last year when he got traded, he played I believe it was eighty-three games in the season because yeah. the Nets had played one less by the time he got there. But what he did was he entirely sat Nick Claxton, Cam Johnson, Dorian Finney-Smith, and Spencer Dinwiddie were all out entirely. Then he, he played Mikhail Bridges, Royce O'Neal, Cam Thomas, rotation regulars, the other three kind of regular rotation guys. They only played between 10 and 12 minutes each. So Bridges only got 12 minutes. He was asked after the game about how he felt. And he was like, yeah, I didn't like it. He's like, it's, you know, it, it is basically he said it is what it is, but I'm not a fan of that decision. And the Bucs uh, ended up winning going away closer than it probably should have been for a while. Uh, but then eventually they pulled away and blew out the nets and just moved on. So, uh, yeah, interesting decision there. And, you know, I'm guessing, I wonder if Mikhail Bridges would have rather just had a full day off or, you know, just would have rather, my guess is probably would have rather just played. Yeah, what's the point of only play? I mean, I guess he sat so many other players that if you sit him out the entire game, you don't have enough players for a rotation. But yeah. but that got me thinking, though, does this have anything to do with the NBA's resting policy and, and that sort of thing? It probably doesn't. But uh, yeah, he's not an all star. So, right. Yeah. So but anyway, it, yeah. it was it, it's it's a bit weird to see a player like him of his stature just play 12 minutes in, in a game. But mm-hmm. uh, again, I don't think this is going to be a consistent thing, but a bit of an oddity nonetheless. And again, I mean, the headline, basketball player wants to play basketball. Like, <laughs> that's what, you know, a lot of these, people always get on on players. Like, like oh, this guy's soft. Why is he taking a night off? All that kind of stuff. Very rarely is it the player. It's yep. usually the teams that are making these decisions. 100%, yeah. It's, uh, I only know of, like, one or two situations, and it's guys who are out of the league, so it's not even worth getting into, where teams are like, eh, they didn't really so much care about playing. Uh, they, these guys now they want to play like everybody holds up, you know, Kawhi Leonard as the load management poster child. And that's fair to an extent, but that was never his decision. And up until this recent hip injury, he's played, played every game uh, this season. So I, I think when people realize, you know, guys would rather be out there than not like, like you realize these are team decisions that are made generally, you know, front office and the sports science staff with, Hey, it's time for a guy to rest and sit out and go from there. And and then they do. But, you know, Mikhail Bridges, my guess is uh, they maybe they involve him a little more next time the decision is made. Or maybe it's, all right, fine, then we're going to take it completely out of your hands and you're just not going to be active for the game. Yeah. Yep. They need to go one way or another with that. All right, let's jump over to the Houston Rockets, who have been surprisingly fairly, fairly solid this season. But uh, they're not going to bench Jalen Green, who's – had his ups and downs, I guess is the kind way to say it this season. Uh, but they're not going to send Jalen Green to the bench. And again, I, I think this makes sense. Like the Rockets have been better than expected, but he's a huge part of their future. And so I are you you're kind of shooting yourself in the foot if you decide, okay, well, he's not he's not getting it done right now. Let's let's you know cut into his minutes, let's move him to the bench, let's do these things. Now, I mean, if you're gonna get anywhere, you're gonna need Jalen Green 
to grow as a player. And he's only going to do that if he's on the floor. Yeah, absolutely. And to be fair, he's been bad this year. There's really yeah. no other way to put it. He's been extremely inefficient, which that was the spot where we all thought maybe that takes a bump up this year is his efficiency. He's not creating so much on his own. Fred Van Vliet can set him up and other things mm-hmm. like that, but it's, it's been very messy. And then all of his counting stats are down, but again, the team's better. So he's not just kind of out there, you know, uh, running roughshod and doing whatever he wants to do and kind of getting Empty all his stats. plays. Yeah. These yeah. are, you know, now this team is much better. They they've lost their last couple in, in a row here. They're, they're now, what are they? 15 and 14 eighth in the West after a couple losses in a row, but it, it you're absolutely right. Like I think he made Oak is a hundred percent with, if we want to be the team we want to be, Jalen Green has to be a big part of it. So mm-hmm. we're not going away from him. And I, I also think, too, putting him on the bench and almost putting him back in the role where it's like, all right, hey, go ahead and get your shots, do your thing. That's probably not going to help things either for him to get get back to a better place. It's more sure. just find your things. I thought he made a good comment, too, Yudoka did, where he said, I'm going to paraphrase it, but basically he's such a good scorer that we know when it comes like it's going to, then it'll be floodgates will open and it'll just yeah. go. Um, and I think there's probably some truth to that. And I, maybe I threw out there up and down on the season. That's my own bias coming in because he blew up way back in November against the Lakers. <laughs> he dropped, he dropped 28 points in 21 minutes, shot 73% from the field and 83% from three in that game. So I, that game definitely sticks out of my memory and that's a highlight, but he's had some other good ones too. He had a 34 point game against Memphis, you know, but, but again, big Those picture. Those games are very few and far between yes. this year, which that's is, true. that's the tough part, right? He's had a lot of games where it's been 10 points on like two of 12 shooting type of nights right. and that stuff. Yep. Yeah. And, that, and those are the and games. Brooks is hurt too. So they, they, do need him now to give them some more production. I know everybody feels certain ways about Dylan Burks, but he's been very good uh, for the the Rockets, and they 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 need somebody to produce because it's it falls a lot to uh, without him. It's Fred VanVleet and Alperen Shingun because most of their other guys right now are they're kind of dependent players. You need someone to to set them up and get them shots or they get them off rebounds or scramble plays or whatever it is. Whereas you've got a uh, green can at least create a shot, which is something Brooks can do too. Yeah. Fair to yeah. say sometimes does it a little too much. Uh, you sure. know, and gets a little but he's, crazy. He's with shot it, but... Like insane. I keep waiting for the other shoe to drop with Dylan yeah. Brooks and for, and for him to go on like a 20% shooting month or something yeah. like that. Cause so far he's just shot overall on the course of the season. Very, very well. Yeah, absolutely. So, so yeah, so I get it. You know, I, it's also, let's remember, you know, we are getting in around the 30 game marker here. We're starting to approach the halfway point. Maybe if this continues once we're, you know, closer to the all-star break, maybe then Yudoka moves and says, all right, we got to do something a little bit different here. But for now they're, they're winning enough games and they're playing well enough that you, you don't need to make a change today. Yeah. Yeah. All right, let's jump over to the Phoenix Suns. Good news today. According to Shams Charania, Bradley Beal is ahead of schedule and could even make his return to the Suns this weekend. The Suns certainly could use him. They haven't been uh, what they hope to be, certainly. Kevin Durant hasn't been super happy. Eric Gordon hasn't been super happy. 
And uh, we haven't gotten to see what we got a game and change of Devin Booker, yeah. Bradley Beal, and Kevin Durant like four together. and a half minutes. Right, like that's and that's it. That's all they they've played together. So this is great news for the Phoenix Suns. I I still wonder though, Keith. Like they really have this lineup. We have this team where they don't have a point guard. You're either asking Bradley Beal or Devin Booker to be your point guard, and that's not really what they are. Like, is this gonna work? Because if it's if that is gonna be the hurdle that they can't clear, because you can you can feel it when you're watching the Suns on the offensive end that they don't have that piece out there. They don't really have a way to solve that problem this season. Yeah, and to be clear, Devin Booker is doing a really good job playmaking. But sure. Devin Booker seems to me almost more of a a really good playmaking wing. Like, like that's more what he is versus mm-hmm. the, the kind of more traditional point guard type. And the challenge for Phoenix is they're 15 and 15. So we're already 30 games into this season. And you still haven't answered questions about what it looks like with all three of those guys on the floor. And that's a problem, right? So you've got to start to figure that stuff out. And the only way you're going to figure it out is with everybody on the floor. Now, Kevin Durant, whether he did it because he took offense to everything about being unhappy and all that, he came out and dropped a triple-double with 16 assists uh, yeah. last night in, in a win over the uh, Rockets. And then it was, um, you know, Eric Gordon doesn't feel like he's getting enough shots. So that's another thing when you get Beal back in there. So that just sorts the sorts kinds of the kind of tends to be a little uh, volatile. Are we going to get to a weird spot where these guys are just not, you know, happy and they're not feeling good about where things are at? You know, where are we going to go? So, so I think we're in a place where, you know, for right now, it's still unanswered questions with all that stuff, even if pieces and parts have looked really good at times. Yeah. Yeah, and again, getting Bradley Beal back ahead of schedule, that's going to help them. The more time they can get on the floor, the better. Because I'll tell you what, Keith, this is this could be a return of the big three for the Suns. This could be another opportunity. This could be a second game, I suppose, for the big three to play together. Um, but that doesn't mean they're going to be together for the rest of the season. I think it, it, they are going, other stuff's going to pop up. Kevin Durant's going to suffer an injury. Devin Booker, Bradley Beal may go back out. So the amount of time they're actually going to have on the floor together before they get to, say, a postseason situation, it's dwindling. So good for them that they're going to get back out on the floor now because, again, you know that's not going to be like they're just all three healthy for the remainder of the season. So we'll see what, what they can ultimately turn this into, what Frank Vogel and co. can do here with this team, and if they can become the juggernaut that we thought they might be heading into the season so far, that's looking like a no, but – Again, we haven't really seen their three together much at all. So hard to, to make that judgment just yet. And you got to be careful at the West, really that portion of the West in like in and around the playing tournament because mm-hmm. you've got the Lakers are there, the Rockets are still there. We'll see if they stay, Pelicans. But then just behind them, you've got the Warriors, the Jazz. We'll see if this has any staying power. They've won third in a row. They're starting to play better. But coming up hard behind all these teams is Memphis. Yep. Memphis is now only four and a half back. They've won four in a row. Uh, they're, they're really playing pretty good basketball. So it's going to be a dogfight. You cannot afford to be dropping games in the Western Conference at the mm-hmm. bottom because you're going to get caught from behind by good teams. You know, when you've got the Warriors and at least the Grizzlies, I, Jazz, I, I don't, I'm not fully bought in that that's really real uh, yep. right now. But the Warriors and Grizzlies, that's enough where that that's going to be motivating you 
got to get these guys on the floor, got to start winning games, got to start stacking wins, you know, and, and the, these are ones where the Suns have thrown away a lot of games that they should have won already this season. And that's caught up to them a little bit. Now we'll see, can you start playing better and stop doing that the rest of the way? If you can, they're probably fine. But as it stands right now, you got some work to do. Keith, I can remember back in the day, like the, like the mid two thousands, complaining about how in the West you had teams that were the ninth and 10th place in the West who were uh, above 500 mm-hmm. and then missing out on the playoffs. And then looking over at the East, you had below 500 teams making the playoffs. I think this year in the West, we're going to see above 500 teams or at least at 500 teams missing the play in in the Western Conference. So that's um, that's going to be, like you said, it just underscores how difficult of a conference it's going to be and how little room for error there is. Um, because like you said, you've got the Grizzlies are, are coming back strong, having won four in a row. You've got Golden State. These are teams, I'm I'm with you. I don't necessarily worry too much about Utah, Portland. We know they're they're not to be worried about, you know, same thing with San Antonio. But you've got 12 teams that all consider themselves to be playoff teams now that the Houston Rockets are in the thick of things as well. Two of them are going to be in the outside looking in. And I and I yeah. think 12 teams that could reasonably make cases that hey, we are playoff quality, maybe not the top, top tier teams or whatever, but playoff quality or at the very least play in quality. And two of them aren't going to make it. Yeah, absolutely. In the West playing tournament. Again, should be really, really fun, right? We should be at a point where these should be really good games and you don't want to be there. It's, it's, yeah, I, I, I'm getting the sense just talking to people around the league, there's already a few too many teams from my comfort level that are like, well, you know, look what the Lakers and the Heat did last year. Yeah, Yeah. that's not, teams are not going to do that regularly. You're, 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 yeah, you're not going to get through the playing tournament. And then win multiple rounds in the playoffs. Like it's just not going to be be a regular thing. And then beyond that, you don't want to have to be that the path that you're taking, no. right? Like you'd rather have like yeah, but I, I, yeah, I don't know the single team that will say yeah, you know, rather than be fourth and host the playoff series, we'd rather be eighth and have to win a playing tournament and get get in that way. Like nobody feels that way. That's just not how it works. No. Yeah. Absolutely not. Absolutely not, especially when, you know, look, the, you, you run out of gas come playoff time, too, if you have to do that. So uh, I do wonder how that will impact the trade deadline, that whole dynamic. Like, we're, I think we're going to see, once again, probably more buyers than sellers, and that's been a, a byproduct of the play-in tournament. But um, the, I think we're going to see teams that are going to try to pick up pieces to make that run, like the Lakers did last year, like the Heat did that last year. And so it could, it could result in a pretty active trade deadline, Unless teams go Toronto Raptors style and just say, "Nah, never mind, we're we're not going to do anything." Don't don't you put that evil on me, Ricky Bobby. No. <laughs> I, I need to. I know I shouldn't put that out there in the world, but um, who knows? Maybe even the Raptors will lose their Grinchiness and we'll we'll make some make it some. Does business. sound like maybe it's closer than yeah. it, it has been. It, it you know you, you can't if you're Toronto, you cannot. You can't watch Siakam and Ananobi walk away. Never mind, like Gary Trent and a couple other guys, without making moves. If there's moves to be made, it's not safe it to make a bad trade or take whatever. But you got to do something. You can't. Yeah. You can't just watch these guys be like, "All right, see you later. We're we're leaving too." And there's gonna be teams with cap space that I think would be 
Ananobi's a no-brainer. Like teams will be all yep. over him if he's a free agent. But Siakam, teams would love to have. Gary Trent's a pretty plug-and-play guy just about anywhere. So that's an easy signing, I think, for most teams. So that's just something to be very, very cautious of if if we're at Toronto. But that's I feel like that's now we could run back last year and the year before's segments on the Raptors and just change the names because that's thing. right. It is. It is indeed. All right, let's uh, let's jump over. Uh, Nikola Topic returning. Hey, you said it right. I'm so. Proud I, of did you. Say it right. I did say it right. <laughs> I, I'm trying to remember that it's the itch. Got to add in that itch. But um, but so he's returning to Red Star. So this is uh, one of the top prospects coming up. What I mean, you've seen a lot more of him than I have. What what is his game compared to? Yeah, he's big. He he's a big guard. He. he I am not saying at all that I think he's going to be Luka Doncic. That's kind of sort of how he plays a little bit. Like he's just very in control, does a lot of things. Again, great size uh, for um, the the position he plays, which is really is like kind of an on-ball wing type player. Uh, This year he – he he's young too. He's very, he's he's only a teenager still. Uh, so this year playing, um, he's been basically on loan uh, to a team that's called Mega Mis. Um, he was averaging eighteen point six points, six point nine assists uh, this season, and shooting the ball really well. And it was the shot that was kind of the question with him: the size, the ball handling, the playmaking. That's always been there. So so what's happened now is Red Star, who's his his primary club has basically said, we're bringing him back. Like the loan is over. We're bringing him back. And for him, he openly is saying this came out. Jonathan Gavoni had this of ESPN, um, did it, did an interview with him. And he basically says, Hey, it's a huge risk for me, but I'm ready. I'm confident in myself and I need to do this. It could impact my draft chances, but I'm ready to compete and fight, which is great to hear. Right. So he's ready to go. This is also like his childhood club that he always wanted to play for with red star. They're one of the better teams in Europe. So, so this is, is big and it's a chance to, for NBA teams are going to be excited because they're going to get to measure him in a whole different way now too, because you're going to see him playing against much better competition. But this is a kid right now, barring something unexpected should be a top 10 pick in this year's draft. Yeah, so certainly somebody to, to keep an eye on. Uh, it is kind of refreshing to see somebody taking that room. We hear so much about players who, you know, if you're if you're a top ten player, you don't work out against anybody else that's in the top mm-hmm. ten, or at least, you know, if you're if you're the tenth pick, you'll work out against the one pick. But if you're the three pick, you're not going to work out against the five pick. You know, things like that. Um, it's it's nice to see somebody just saying, "Hey, I'm going to go for it," especially because I grew up as a as a fan of this team. And again, somebody to keep an eye on heading into this 2024 uh, draft. The whole loan situation that is pretty foreign to to American yeah. fans. How how a loan works and and all of that of why that's a thing because we just think in terms of a trade, a player is either cut, but especially over we see this model a lot in soccer. Mm-hmm. It's buying and selling, but you're not you're not doing so much like trading player X for player Y you're more buying and selling contracts from clubs and and things of that nature. Yeah. Every once in a while in a uh, transfer is what they effectively call a trade or buying a player. Every once in a while, a player will go back the other way, but you're right. It's almost always cash. It's it's money that goes back. And, and we're talking millions to hundreds of millions of dollars now, depending on who the player is. So those are, uh, those transfers and then what the teams do is 
the, the good ones at least, they take the money and then they reinvest that in going and getting the next guy who, yep. who can fit for them. But yeah, like you said, every once in a while a player comes back, but the loan concept is something completely different. And what that is, it here's how I kind of think of it. Let's say you are the who's a really good team right now. So Denver, right? Denver's a really sure. good team, and they've got Jalen Pickett as one of their players on their bench, doesn't get a chance to play very much. Let's say they were looking at it and saying, Wow, you know, Portland really needs a guard. We'd love them to get some experience. They could loan him to the Trailblazers and say, You're gonna you got him for the rest of the season. He'll play for you. You'll you'll have a chance to be more competitive, play whatever it is, and then we'll get him back at the end of the year. Oftentimes in uh, both soccer and basketball overseas, loans turn into there's there's a whole thing called loan to buy, which is yep. you loan the player and then they'll end up buying the player uh, from the other team. They'll keep them that way. But it, it's just a concept because it's all one league in the NBA. It, it's it hasn't really hit here. Um, with that, if now if there were multiple leagues that the NBA worked with, or if the NBA worked in conjunction with overseas leagues more, um, they could do that. But the NBA doesn't allow for loaning players out to, hey, we're going to loan a guy out. Now, draft and stash, that's something different. Those guys aren't under contract with the NBA teams, but they, you know, we would never see it be like, all right, you know, we're not getting enough run for this player with the NBA team. We're going to loan him to a team in Spain for the year. It just doesn't work that way. Yeah, they, they don't do it. It's an interesting system, though, the, the way it yeah. works, where the idea is to get the player minutes and then eventually you can bring the player back or you can wind up selling the player to that club and getting so. And then again, like you said, reinvest it. It's just a very different system than what we're mm -hmm. than what we're used to here. So when people hear, oh, he was on loan with another with another team. I just want to clarify exactly how that that all works yeah. Yeah. and um, and kind of what the situation looks like. It's fun, too, because you all you'll see sometimes where promotion and relegation is such a big thing in yeah. basketball and soccer overseas. They'll loan a player to a lower league team to help them try to get promoted or avoid being relegated. And then it'll be the player help them achieve promotion. And then, then that can launch into where, right, well, actually he's really good and we want him back. Uh, we're seeing a little bit more of that. It feels like um, in recent years of uh, actually we want the guy back. He's, good so we, we don't want to sell them to you uh but yeah the loan whole loan transfer process is it's it's a fun thing to monitor and if anybody's a fan of all of that that's all going to open up here in a few days because january is their window they only have uh small windows that are about a month long in the major leagues um over there uh, especially in the soccer side where it's the transfer window opens and you can actually make these moves and it's huge it's a it's like nba trade Thank deadline you. on steroids because yeah. there's no there's no real uh no way you could do much else other than do this now and it turns into you know players being sold and bought moved all around uh, all over the map and you know crazy this happens so that'll be be a thing for any of the crossover fans or anybody who's just looking to learn a little bit more about that world we're driven by the search for better but when it comes to hiring the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all don't search match with indeed Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. 
Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. So the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. Be interesting if they could implement something like that in the NBA. You know, I've been thinking more big picture stuff like that. Like, you know, what if what if the NBA went to like three nights a week? These are the days that NBA games are on, kind of an NFL style or something like that. Or what if what if they had sort of a loan system or relegation? I know relegation is never going to fly, but just kind of pondering those big picture sure. type things. Yeah, and um, interesting when you look at how different systems work um, around the world in different sports. Yeah. Um, okay, let's jump back to the NBA though. Uh, the Wolves, uh, the the majority stake is indeed going to be bought by Mark Laurie and Alex Rodriguez. Uh, we knew this was coming, but the deadline was approaching for the, I want to say it's the 31st. So it's the end of the yep. year here uh, for them to officially make this happen. But it's it's going to happen. The Wolves are, are going to be sold and uh, and they're having a great season. So I'm sure that doesn't make uh, make them any any less enthused with their with their purchase here, given that the Wolves look like they're very much a team on the rise. Yeah, so what happened was they had already bought 40% of the team from Glenn Taylor, who's owned the Timberwolves for a long time. Uh, he still owned 40%, so now he is going to transition uh, an additional 40% over. He may actually own more than 40 I don't know. But essentially, uh, uh, Mark Laurie and Alex Rodriguez will now own 80% of the team once this is goes through and it gets approved and all that stuff. Uh, with that so that that has been been a thing they've been basically working on the financing to try to put this together to finish this uh portion of it and then there's no indications that it will go further than this it sounds like this will be the last part of this but that'll get done and yeah we're, we're gonna see a change in the hands of ownership again the Mavs sale got pushed through we saw the sun sale mm-hmm. uh recently uh in recent years so now this will be another one so you know more, more uh changes in ownership coming even if this one's been kind of in process for about a year or so these teams they cost so much that it's not like you know, hey, I'm going to go buy a pizza and I'm just going to use my credit card, right? I mean, you're not going to do that. It's not even quite like buying a buying a house or anything because these, if you are in the situation where you've got the kind of money necessary in order to to buy a team, that money is not just sitting in a checking account, right? You've got it invested in all kinds of different things. You have to you have to liquidate certain things in order to make it happen. Depending, of course, on who you are, how much money you've got, you've got a certain number of partners and things like. So it's not it's not an easy process. It's not like hey. Everybody just throws five bucks into the into the pool, and and then you're going to go order Domino's or something. That's not that's not the way it works. So it's a it's a long process in order to put together all of the funding in order to make a purchase like this. So that's 
that's part of why this this stuff doesn't just happen overnight. Why it takes approval and you got to go through all the finances. And the NBA wants to make sure, hey, if we sell it to somebody, it's not somebody who is suddenly house poor because they bought the team and that's all they've got. And next thing you know, they're making all these cost cutting moves because all of their money has been burned through, been thrown into purchasing the team itself. So the NBA is going to dig into all this stuff. It's a very, very complicated process in order to get all of this done. Yeah, the league has been very conscious of that. Uh, really, since the Maloofs owned the yeah. Kings, uh, they were known to be one of the uh, less rich ownership groups out there. In there, that ran into a lot of problems with, with the Kings, with uh, the arena, and then just with signing players and, and being willing to go deep into the luxury tax. A lot of stuff back in the you know right around the turn of the century or so when all that was going on with the Kings, which led to basically pretty persistent uh, rumors that they were going to move and be bought by somebody yeah. else and be in another place and all that. And then obviously uh, Vivek Renadive led an ownership group uh, to buy the Kings and change it all out. But the NBA has been very conscious of that. Semi-related to all this, did you see the Steve Ballmer thing? Uh, the thing that he's making a billion dollars. A billion dollars for I did see that. Nothing. Yeah, I did see that. Nice. All of his investments, all of his stocks, and everything like that. Just yeah. the dividends. So it's the from dividend it's... from the Microsoft. He owns four yeah. percent of the company. They have for years now. Microsoft has chose to just pay out the dividends, and they're paying out the dividends as his is expected to be a billion dollars. So he's literally going to wake up one day and just have a billion dollars more. And I my my what I said when I read that wasn't I'm sure he's gonna be like oh that's nice can I get some eggs and what's the latest on Kawhi's hip like I'm sure he's right. not like the, the, yeah that'll that's, be us someday someday that's a point when, when the front office show really blows up when people stop making us the best kept secret um, but that's the the point where money like no longer matter it's not sure. even a thought it's not considered like price yeah. tags on things don't matter anymore yeah. you know what I mean like that's yeah. that's crazy money. Yeah. It is exactly. That's where I was looking at. So I was looking at this uh, yesterday, like the Powerball is is up again and everything. And of <laughs> yeah. course, we all we all do that. Well, what would I do if I won and everything? And I'm like, yep. I start, I was just looking at interest rates and, and all that, and I'm like, Jesus, if I if I won the Powerball, I could just put it all in just a standard savings <laughs> account, getting it with what interest is right now. And I think even after tax, it was something like you'd be making like 16 million a year in interest. Like I'm, I'm like you, like that. That's just absurd. It's great you could just live off of that and wouldn't even have to touch the principal or anything. I, I mean, and live beyond comfortably. Um, it, it's crazy. It's crazy. It's a very different world than the world that, that you and I live in. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, it's uh, it's funny. My answer to that, it was way back when I was I was probably like 20 or 21 at the time because I was still living in Massachusetts. And I remember I was talking with my parents because it was like 200 million or something. It was, mm -hmm. that was like the highest it had ever been then. It hadn't approached like a billion dollars. And in Massachusetts, they didn't have Powerball. So we did cross over into Rhode Island to buy Powerball tickets. And my mom was like, I'm going to go. Do you want me to get you a couple? And I'm like, yeah, get me a couple too. And it was like, what are you going to buy if you win? And it was my standard answer was I'm going to buy the Kansas City Royals because they were for sale for like $80 million at the time. Oh, there you like, go. I'm going to buy the Royals. Like that was like literally like what I would tell anybody who asked. I was like, I'm buying the Royals uh, back then. And what are the, I wonder what they're worth now. I'm obviously yeah, much, much more. I mean, yeah, it's not $80 million. I know that it would, it would probably be a good investment. Um, anyway, 
We some unscheduled nonsense there, just to close things out. Why not dream about the lottery and all all that sort of stuff? Um, you ever go on Zillow and like look at like really expensive houses? Have you ever done that? I have. It, it can yeah. be depressing, but yes. Oh, I have. It, it does get a little depressing where it's like, <laughs> and I, I, I could live in maybe that corner of the garage. Uh, just related. So this is weird. And I don't want anybody thinking I'm living on the high horse here. I'm clearly not. Um, but not far away from us, like maybe 10 minutes away, Johnny Damon, the former baseball player, uh -huh. he's selling his house. And it's it's on Zillow for like $30 million. Ooh. And now it's like 10 minutes away, but might as well be like a world away um, from where it is. Like it's it's just crazy. Like it's over in – it's right like Isleworth and Jason. If people know Isleworth, that's like where – like Shaq had a house and Grant Hill and Penny Hardaway yeah. and Tiger Woods and all those, those guys. And those are like insane mega mansions in there, but $30 million. So I was like, what's a $30 million house that a former baseball player owned look like. And pretty much exactly what you would think. Like I, you know, zipped around a little bit and there were things uh, where my wife was like, that's so tacky. Like she was just, and I'm like, it's, if you have that kind of money, you could change it every week. Yeah. If you, you were kind of didn't come out the way I wanted. Yeah. So just some a little added on uh, unscheduled nonsense at the end. Oh, that, that rich, that rich guy's life. Someday, Keith. Someday. 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 Yeah, on that note, we need you guys to get the likes and subscriptions. Yes. So, so we can get there. I, my goal, honestly, by the end of 2024, we should have caught Mr. Beast. That, that's the goal. He's only no at problem. like 200 million subscribers. So oh, easy. Yeah. You know, yeah. Just get on it, guys. Come on. Get, get us easy. There. No yeah. problem. If we can just get like, I don't know, 20% of the world's population to, <laughs> yeah, that's it. to subscribe yeah. to this channel, yeah. everything yeah. Will, will, will be fine. No problem. Yeah. Or create like seven usernames each and subscribe that way. I don't care how you do it. Just do it. <laughs> just do it. Just make it happen. Vote early, vote often. There we go. There we go. And the dogs All right, are telling me the groceries are home and it's time time to wrap this up. The, the dogs say no more unscheduled nonsense. All right. Well, on that, we'll uh, we'll call it a day. Appreciate everybody for joining us. Again, make sure you do subscribe to the YouTube channel. Follow us over on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, wherever you listen to podcasts as well. Until next time, everybody. See ya and stay safe. It's happening daily. We're being conned by the institutions we used to trust. The mainstream media is distracting us with meaningless headlines instead of focusing on the harsh realities facing American families. Time is short before something big happens, and that's why so many folks are preparing. They're becoming self-reliant by investing in emergency food storage from My Patriot Supply. Go to MyPatriotSupply.com and secure four-week emergency food kits for each member of your family. Each kit contains tasty breakfasts, lunches, and dinners, averaging over 2,000 calories per day. Save $50 on each four-week food kit you purchase. Plus, get free shipping on Ready Hour four-week emergency food kits. You're not ready if it's not Ready Hour foods. At My Patriot Supply, you can also get solar power generators, water filtration units, heirloom seeds, and survival gear. Order by 3 p.m., and your unmarked boxes ship the same day. Shop MyPatriotSupply.com today. MyPatriotSupply.com.